it is exciting to know that there's an all-seeing eye watching over us. Because God is looking out for us and uh, He loves us and He wants nothing but good for us. It's good to see you here, both members and visitors alike. We praise God for your attendance. We are thankful for those who are here physically present and those who are online. Now let's go together, please, to God in a word of prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this hour, for this moment to worship you. For this blessed gift of knowing, Lord God, that you, from the heavens, have honored us and have blessed us with this moment, giving us the ability to assemble, to worship you. Thank you, Lord God, for responding to our worship. Thank you, Lord God, for giving us another chance, another opportunity, another day to make things right with you. Thank you for Jesus, your great son. Thank you for your amazing grace and for your love. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee for be thy will. Amen. Exodus, please, chapter uh, chapter 3. Today's lesson is, is not necessarily God is. There were so many things in this lesson I wanted to bring out that I just thought, well, I'm going to just kind of entitle it God is. Because what I really want to get across to you tonight is that God is what he does. And he does what he is. And that's what I want to get across to us tonight. That God is what he does. And he does what he is. So the whole idea of God is comes from Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. The name of God is in the perfect presence tense. And, and what it means is, grammatically speaking, that God was is, God is is, and God will always be is. Now, grammatically, how do you put that together, right? So you just say God is, right? He is the almighty God. Uh, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, when the question was asked, what do I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you, the self-existent one. What I want to get across to you tonight and help you to understand and see is that God, who is what he does and does what he is, came to the earth. And I don't want us to think about the fact that Jesus sacrificed. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, his life for us, although I don't want you to remove that from your mind. What I want you to get tonight and think about tonight is how in the world did Jesus live that kind of lifestyle, right? Because I've heard Christians say, and I've said it myself, well, you know, it's uh, impossible for us to live perfectly. And yet that's not in the Bible, is it? That's no, that's an actual contradiction from what the Bible actually says. The Bible actually says that we can live perfectly. The problem is we haven't lived perfectly. The question is, why haven't we lived perfectly? And why is it that we cannot live perfectly, as we say? God says, be ye perfect, for your heavenly Father is perfect. God says, be ye holy, for your heavenly Father is holy. Well then, God, why aren't I holy like you command, and why aren't I perfect like you command? And the reason is so simple. It isn't this long, you know, uh, definition from the dictionary. It's, it's actually what Brother James is going to talk about Wednesday night. Love. I just don't love God that much. Now, would you agree with me and say the same thing? You just don't love God that much. Now, I know it doesn't feel good, but it's the truth, right? 
So Jesus lived his life perfectly. Why? Because he loved God more than he loved this world. More than he loved fun and excitement and adventure and sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made him a new no sin to be, to make, be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, who was no sin, became sin for us. The very thing that he hated because he loved that much. Not that he sinned, but he took on the sins of the world. Now listen to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. When we think about our relationship with God, just just think for a moment. I mean, step back. I know it's hard to step back and say, you know, there are times that I really love God. And then there are times when I just, I really love myself. And unfortunately, I love myself a whole lot more than I love God at times. And then there are times where I really want to make it right with God, but I'm not always running the marathon. I just run the race. Right? So Hebrews 4 and verse 15. uh, The Bible says there, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, The one who has been tempted in all things is we, and yet without sin. So he's been there. So what made him different? Well, it's easy to say, well, because he was God. No, Jesus Christ conquered sin 100% as man. But Jesus Christ really, truly loved God. Turn to uh, 1 Chronicles 29. So here's what God does. God does something for us. He not only, through Jesus Christ, showed us how to keep the law perfectly. He kept the law perfectly. He showed us how to do it. And He showed us that it could be done. As we research, as we look at God, the life that Jesus Christ lived, And everything you notice about Jesus Christ is surrounded around love. Everything. Right? Everything. The love for God in preparation. The love for God in desire. The love for God in perfection. The love for God in keeping Him first in all things. Even before His loved ones, His mother. His brothers, his sisters, humanity, before status, before importance, before himself. And he kept the law perfectly. He realized something, or should I say, he knew something. Everything that I have came from God. And so when I give back to God, I'm only giving back what already belongs to him. So why wouldn't I love God who has given me everything that I have that's good and perfect, who has given all of this to me, why wouldn't I love God, whom when I give something back to Him, I'm only giving to Him what He has already given to me. Remember David, 
when David had gone out with Bathsheba and he sinned, God said through Nathan the prophet, if this wasn't enough, I would have given you more. The God who gave, the God who gives, the God who continues to give, love is the only way that we can live our lives without sin. To love God more than stuff. To love God more than self. To run the marathon, not just the race. First Chronicles 29, verse 13. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from thee. And from thy hand we have given thee. In other words, what he's saying is, how in the world am I going to offer this generous gift to you when it's already yours? <laughs> God is what he does, and he does what he is. Turn to John 4. Now I want to go to the very simplistic scriptures tonight, and I want to grab a thought out of them that will help us in our walk and journey with Jesus. To look at Jesus and all that he did, God is what he does. And he does what he is. Here's what he said to us. He said in John 13, or John 4 rather, excuse me, verse 13. He said, and Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. God says, not only am I providing the water, but I am that water within you. Right? I'm going to give you something that will keep you from ever being thirsty again. How many of us hunger and thirst for righteousness? You shall be filled or satisfied. But how many of us actually hunger and thirst for righteousness? John 7, verse 37. Jesus says, Now the first day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this people, excuse me, but this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had yet not been glorified. So again, God is the water. God provides the water. The question is, do I thirst for the water? Turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Look, if you will. Uh, I'm sorry, Exodus 16. My brain is off tonight, but I'm, I'm excited about this lesson. Exodus chapter 16. God is their bread, right? They cry, they complain for bread. Give us bread, give us meat, give us, give us. The God who gave, gave. And the God who gave, gave himself. Because God is what he does and he does what he is. In Exodus 16 and verse 14, the Bible says, When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness, there was a fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost of the ground. And when the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? 
for they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. What is it? Some might say that, right? Those who don't really have a desire to know God, turn to John chapter 6, to really know God might say, what is it? Who is this God whom you serve? We sometimes will say that in our hearts because when temptation comes, when trials come our way, we might say, well, who is it that we should serve? Should we serve ourselves or should we serve our God? God said, this is the bread of life. But God not only said this is the bread of life, God not only gave the bread of life, God is the bread of life. Right? Because God is what he says and he says what he is. In John chapter 6 and verse 35, the Bible says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me shall come to me and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son believes in him may have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. The Jews therefore were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. You know when you have a lack of understanding, right? We question God. When we have a lack of understanding of, of what the scriptures say or, or lack of understanding of the spiritual blessings of God, we question God. What is this that God has commanded or asked of us to do? To be different from the world? To be separate from the world? What is this thing that God has asked of us to do? And because we don't like it, because we lack that love for God that God has for us, because we don't like it, we challenge it. And we live contrary to His will. Who is this man who says, I'm giving you the bread out of heaven? Look down, if you will, at verse 48. The Bible says, I am the bread of life. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. Later the Bible says many walked away because of this statement. You know, in this life on our, our I'm not making light of this, but I want to talk about it for a moment. On our deathbeds, all of us will be there. We struggle, we squirm, we fight. The Bible tells us in Second Corinthians chapter five because we don't want to be found naked, right? We've been in this body all of our lives, and all of a sudden, this separation is happening. You know, we struggled coming into the world, coming out of the womb, and we struggle going out, being separated from this old flesh. And then it's amazing the number of souls that have passed on from this life. And woken up in glory. And I wonder what those who have passed on in the glory have said. When they looked up and said, wait a minute. Why in the world was I struggling so hard in this world to be all of this world when I had all this glory waiting for me? 
when we don't understand, when we don't understand the greatness of God, when we truly, when we have this inability in our minds because we love ourselves so much to love God like he wants us to, we miss out, we lose. We lose that true connection that God has provided and prepared for us. Turn to Isaiah chapter 35. So God says, not only am I the water, but I'm also the bread. And I'm also the way. So God not only provides the way, but God is the only way. How's that feel? Wait, you mean there is no other? (laughs) There has to be a shortcut. There has to be a more convenient way. There has to be something different. We love conveniences. Shortcuts. God says, I'm it. I'm the only way. How many of us want to go to heaven? And then how many of us want to go to heaven God's way? Those are two different questions, right? (laughs) Two different questions. I mean, everybody wants to go to heaven, but number one, we're not ready to go yet, right? If he said, okay, you're going right now, are you ready to go right now if he called you? Number two, everybody wants to go to heaven, but not everyone wants to go God's way. Well, how will I know God's way? It's in the book. It's in the book. But when I read the book, the book tells me to do things that I just don't really want to do because I love myself more than I love my God. I know we don't like, we just don't like to admit that. We don't like to admit that. Isaiah 35 and verse 8, Jesus is the way. And the highway will be there, and the roadway will be called the highway of holiness. And the unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way. And fools will not wander on it. In other words, on, on, on heaven's path, you don't stumble on it. No one's gonna stumble on the heaven's road. You don't do, it doesn't work that way. It's about preparedness. Prepared place for prepared people. You don't stumble into this. Your heart has to want it. Desire it. Be a part of it. Right? Fools will not enter on this way. In this path. It has to be something that you want. John 14, please. It has to be something that you desire. Tonight, God gave us the solution to our sin problem. And the solution is to love God more than you love yourself. To love God more than we love man. To love God more than we love materialism. To love God more than we love this earth. Am I there yet? God is what he does. And he does what he is. He not only says, go that way. He not only provides that way, he says, I am the way. John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. What does that mean? No one. Right? I mean, sometimes I think we live as if God's going to give us the hookup. Right? When we get there, we say, but you know, but Lord, you know, Matthew 7 verse 21, you know, but Lord, wait a minute. Before you condemn me, remember. I did a lot of good works in your name. As if we, as if God forgot. Or as if we have to justify ourselves. Turn please to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. God does not show partiality. So what is good for one is good for the other. 
the commandment that God has given to the world is given to us all together, conclusively. This is one time given for all. How much do I love God? God is the, is the source of all things that are good and perfect and right. The rock, the, the creator, the cornerstone. God is all of that and more. In 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 6, the Bible says, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for Him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through Him. We exist because of Him. It is God. He is the reason for everything. Not the reason for the season. But for everything. And yet, though we know that, we're not always ready to surrender to that truth. John chapter 10. You might be on the way, but you got to follow God until the end. Because when you get to the end, you see there's a door. And you don't have the key. And neither do I. Jesus says, I am that door. I am the only way that you will get into this door. I will open the door because I am the door. He's the door of our protection. In the context of the sheep and the shepherd, that door is protection. That door is that gains you entrance and also an exit. That door was everything. John chapter 10 and Verse 1, the Bible says, Truly, truly I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up in some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he puts forth all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Now I want you to think about what Jesus is saying. Just, just to grab one little thought out of there. The thief comes where he's not welcome. When the thief comes, you're startled. When the thief comes, we're frightened. When the thief comes, we defend ourselves. When the thief comes, we will not follow. When Jesus comes, you're supposed to listen and follow. Remember Elijah was on the mountain and he heard all those things, the fire and storm. Finally he heard that gentle wind, that gentle voice of God. Brother, that's what we want to hear. But you know, our streets are so busy, it's kind of hard to hear God. Our lives are so busy, sometimes it's kind of hard to hear God. And God opens up the door. God opens up the door, but sometimes we decide that we just want to climb over the fence, climb over the wall when the door is open to us. It's open to all of us. How many of us want to go to heaven God's way? Verse 7, the text goes on to say, Jesus therefore said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. and shall go in and out 
and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. Why in the world would I follow a thief? May I rephrase that question? Why in the world do we follow the thief? Why do we follow Satan? Why? The door is open. We choose to follow sin. All of us. It's because of that love. That love word. The ability to step aside from self. And to put God before all things. Including self. Until the very end of time. John chapter 5. Who's ever heard? Without the word of God, who has ever heard of a resurrection? Who's ever heard of such, of such a thing? And yet, God has not only shown us the resurrection, He is the resurrection. In John 5 and verse 26. For just as the Father has life in Himself, even so He gave to His Son also to have life in Himself. And He gave Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tomb shall hear His voice and shall come forth those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. It would be nice just to cut that last part out, but we cannot. We cannot. The question tonight is, do you choose life? Or do you choose judgment? The next time I find myself struggling with sin, I ought to ask the question, am I choosing life? Or am I choosing judgment? In John 11, when Lazarus had passed on, and Jesus came along, and Mary and Martha were, were mourning over his death, Jesus comes along in verse 25. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks a question. Do you believe this? We might follow that up and say, well then act like you believe it. Right? Right? God is what he does. And he does what he is. So here's what he asked us to do. John chapter 1. He asked us to be a light in this old mixed up world to be different. But he hasn't asked us to do anything that he isn't already. Right? Nor has he asked us to do something that he hasn't already done. Nor has he asked us to do something that he isn't already doing for us and inside of us. But in John 1, very simple, verse 1. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the light was the light of men. The life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You know, it's a blessing when people say, you know, I don't understand you Christians. It's because they can't comprehend it. It's a curse when they say, oh, I get it. (laughs) They don't understand. Maybe I should ask, do we understand? Why? We're so different. It's because we are the reflection of Jesus. Because we live our lives as a light shining in the midst of darkness. Well, I don't get why they don't like me. Well, because you're a light shining in darkness. And light exposes stuff. And when you show up as the reflection of Jesus, you expose their sins. Oh, wait. And you also expose your own. Never let it be said, the world looks upon us. Turn to John chapter 8. And as they look upon us, that they say, you know, I would have never known you were a Christian had you not told me. Be a light in the midst of darkness. Jesus provides the light. Jesus is that light. Verse 12, it says, And again, therefore, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. And here's the point. Again, why did Jesus live a perfect life? Because Jesus loved the Father more than he loved himself, more than he loved the world, more than he loved materialism, more than he loved the world. And the question is, do we love God that much? Matthew 9 and verse 36. Do we run from the shepherd or do we go to the shepherd? 36 says, And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Do you realize that's what the world is and what it represents? Confusion. Sadness and, and despair and, 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 you know, and stress. Because they have no shepherd. And all of us are sheep. Sheep need a shepherd. Have you ever seen a sheep without a shepherd? You see a distressed, confused sheep or animal. And we, God's people, the world, humanity, our sheep in desperate need of a shepherd. When we come to Christ, when we come to Christ, Christ is, becomes that shepherd for his people. John, please, chapter 10. He becomes that shepherd. And then the eyes of the those who are in despair, those who are struggling, if you're listening and if you're looking, the eyes are open. And you realize that, you know what, we are strangers And aliens passing through. That's all. This is not our home. Don't get too comfortable here. You won't be here for too long. 
fact, some of us are closer than others, right? I mean, chronologically speaking. We've been here for a while. Not going to be here too much longer. Are you ready for that? Have you prepared your life to go to be with the shepherd? In John 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. And what a wonderful feeling. Turn to Psalm 73. It is to know and understanding to know, intellectually to know that God knows me. Question is, do I know him? Am I serving the God who is the good shepherd who not only promises to take care of me, but He is my provision. He is your provision. Why would I walk away from God? Why have so many walked away from God? God is good all of the time. You know what's beautiful about God is that God doesn't change because of us. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been fed up a long time ago myself. I'm already fed up. <laughs> I've been fed up with humanity. <laughs> I mean, you know, right? How long would this this place been done a long time ago? I'm thankful I'm not God. I, I know I'm not. I'm nowhere near God. I'm thankful that God gave me a moment to be there. I used to think to myself, you know, the best position in life is to have never existed. But then when I got to know God, I realized that's the worst position to be in life. The best place in life is to know God and to be with Him forever. That's the best place. Don't you want to be there? Or to know God and walk away from Him. The experience in the end is, why did I do that? What was I thinking about? Brother, that's a conscious decision right now. Right? Because we don't know how much longer we have to live. Today could be it. Have I walked away from God? If I have, I better turn around. Turn back to Jesus. God is good. Psalm 73 verse 1, the Bible says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Turn to 1 Kings, please. I'm about to let you go. 1 Kings chapter 8. God is good to Israel. God is good to all of His people, to all of His children, and even to a lost and dying world. God is good to everyone. Maybe, I'll I'll leave you this one. Maybe because God is so good, maybe some of us are just bullies. We take advantage of Him. 1 Kings chapter 8, this prayer, in this verse 54. And it came about that when Solomon had finished praying this entire prayer and supplication to the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord, from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread toward heaven. And he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice, saying, listen to what he said, Blessed be the Lord, who has given rest to his people Israel, according to all that he promised. Now one word has failed of all his good promises. 
which he promised through Moses, his servant. Thousands of years have gone by. Solomon stands up and says, you know, when you go back and you study the history, you realize something. God has never let his people down. And not only has God never let his people down, God didn't let his people down. And he fulfilled every promise that he made to them. Wow. Be nice to get that in the New Testament, wouldn't it? Well, let's go get it. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10. But it's not just here. Brethren, it, it's in your own personal life. You today have to admit that God has never let you down. Ever. He has never failed to, to fulfill the promises that He's made to each one of us. Here alive today and our ancestors in the past. God is good. God is what he does and he does what he is. Verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Thousands of years after Solomon, we come to the New Testament and the same public proclamation comes out that God has never let his people down. For God is faithful and God is faith. And then verse 26. 36 rather. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what was promised. There's still one thing left. Heaven. How many of you want to go there? God's way. The door is open. The shepherd is there. The blessing is ours. The promise has been made. Everything has been executed. Everything is ready. And now it's now it's our turn. Tonight, if you're not a child of God, we, we extend the opportunity that God has given to us, the invitation to surrender to Him in the waters of baptism and believe His word and repented and confessed His name and, and baptized for the remission of your sins. If you're struggling in your faith and you just, you just need prayers, you just need a little more help, tonight we can help you. We can pray with you, pray for you. If you're online, contact us. If you're here, if there's anything that we can do to help you, please just make that known to us. And always be thankful of knowing the fact that it's true that God is what He, what He says and He, He says what He is. The lesson is yours. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for your time tonight.